0: is tapping in, putting information in the air like I do sometimes, welcome to this latest edition of the Black Bird's Eye View. On this episode, I'll be sharing a conversation that I had with a reporter from News and Observer by the name of Will Duran. Will and I discussed the fact that over a dozen black people got snatched up from the streets and got stolen away and kidnapped and caged for up to three months with bonds of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars looking at at minimum seven and a half years you know they all got caught up and um i want to tell you a story i want to tell you a story that don't make no sense and they can't make this shit make sense either okay so back in the day rpd arrested this crackhead who they say is sold sold drugs um the reason why they arrested him is because supposedly he sold them drugs So then I guess they sent the drugs to some little lab, and the lab tested it, and it wasn't drugs. It was aspirins, crushed up aspirins. So RPD ended up nicknaming this criminal, this crackhead who sold them aspirins as cocaine. They nicknamed him Aspirin, okay? They gave him a nickname. Then Officer Omar Abdullah took an interest in him, and I guess some other officer friends of his as well. And what they did is they let him. They say they tried. They tried to help him out. <laughs> that's what. That's how it's written. They were, they were helping him out, and they let him become a CI so he could make money. All right. So that's the CI, right? The CI named Aspirin. CI Aspirin is the same CI who here recently got caught up with Omar Abdullah. Okay. Caused. Um, over a dozen black people to be in jail for up to three months. This is the same CI. And all of a sudden, shit hits the fan. It's on the news, and all you hear is the DA saying, um, we have no reason to believe that Officer Omar Abdullah had any reason to believe that the CI was giving him uh, uh, substances that were was not a drug. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to spend that when the reality is the way that omar abdullah met the ci they nicknamed aspirin is because this fool sold him drugs that wasn't drugs so they automatically knew that he had it within him to do some shit like that because they nicknamed him aspirin none of that makes sense to me none of that makes sense to me so here is the interview <laughs> i get so annoyed sometimes i promise you can't make it make sense and I don't understand, where are the people? Where are the people saying, I stand with you? Where they at? Like, where are my people at? Like, we need to be going somewhere, letting people know that we ain't playing. Like, we need to be in on some meetings. I don't know what we're supposed to be doing, but I'm not supposed to be doing this shit alone. <sighs> yeah, so what follows is my conversation that I had with Will Duran of News and Observer. I appreciate you guys for listening.
1: So, tell me a little bit about your son, Marcus, and, you know, just, uh, uh, I assume he's living in Raleigh, right? Yes, he is. um, How did this all start? I mean, with this interaction with this officer, Abdullah, and everything, I mean, did it stem from something, like, that's been going on? Did the police officer just kind of come into his house one day? What happened?
0: Well, I got a call telling me that um, Marcus had been arrested. Marcus is my um, third child. Um, And I was told that he was um, being held because he was trafficking heroin. Um, I ended up going to the courthouse the next morning because I guess you have to go before the judge. And there I heard that um, apparently Marcus, they had the RPD went into um, an apartment and raided it. Um, Then ended up coming to the apartment where my son lives and basically destroyed it. So they came in, um, they ran through the house, they, they cut up his couch, they disturbed his peace, and they arrested him in front of um, his son and his stepdaughter. Um, Marcus told me that he didn't do it. I believed him when he said he didn't do it. Um, and I went about the, um, the act of basically letting anyone who would listen know that 15 people, 15 black people basically were stolen from this world like slaves, like just captured, captured and, and put in jail and held like animals on charges that were fraudulent. Um, and the charges that were made and the, and the drugs that were, were supposedly um, on the, these individuals was planted by an informant that RPB arrested initially for selling fake drugs. So I'm, I'm I'm coming from the perspective now that we don't know how many other people are being held right now because it doesn't seem like this is RPD's first time at the rodeo that their behavior through this whole thing um, leads me to believe and it's not me making this is not factual but it leads me to believe that we should be we as a people should be concerned about our sisters and brothers who could potentially be locked up. On trumped up charges, because they got they came this close to getting away with it.
1: Yeah, and so I and I want to talk about all of that, mm-hmm. but just to rewind a little bit. So you said that they raided one apartment, then came to his. So that same night, I mean, were there other people that were all rounded up in this this same thing? Was he the only one who got arrested that night? I, I was just trying to figure out kind of why they honed it on him, or if you even know why they honed on it. To
0: my knowledge,
1: um, Marcus was arrested. was an an
0: incident. I, I then found out that other people, I don't know whether it was the same night. I don't know whether it was the same month. All I know is that at least I think 14 people have been arrested for the same exact thing. And it seems to me as if it doesn't matter whether it was in the same night. It was just the idea that you could be living your life one day and the next day, think that your life is over based on s- actions from someone else. And and I just don't think it was a coincidence.
1: Did he, do you know if he knew this, this confidential informant beforehand? I mean, had they interacted my, with each other? Or was- my
0: thought process behind that was... They had their. They were all. It was all over Facebook. Everyone was trying to figure out who the informant was. To this day, I don't know exactly who the informant is, so I can't speak on who Marcus knew and who he didn't know. Um, I know that there was a young man who everyone thought was the informant who wasn't. Apparently, he got pulled over and they were. He had a gun on him, but apparently it was legal, so everyone automatically assumed that he was the informant, and he went through the ringer online as someone who potentially was framing people
1: yeah. yeah I mean that's just a whole other aspect too I mean just how he, said, things that, things
0: he said that he uh, said that RPD had put his life in danger and I believe him
1: wow. Wow. and you said they they cut up his couch they ransacked his house I mean did they find anything while they were doing not a business? thing no no drugs
0: no money. I think they said Marcus had maybe forty or fifty dollars on him. But certainly not the kind of money that a heroin dealer should have on them.
1: Yeah. And I mean did he ever did they offer to pay for the couch that they had ripped up or no, no. did he ever get any of that back?
0: Marcus never got his gun back. Marcus never got his um, his um phone back. No one has so much as apologized. It was just over you you they, they turn these people's lives upside down and then somebody shows that they're in the wrong and then it's just over. And people are supposed to just keep going as if they didn't just get snatched off the streets. No.
1: So they never even gave us stuff back even after the charges got dropped. Not to they my knowledge. Kept him locked up somewhere. I think it was a situation to where it was
0: and mind you all of this was in the height of COVID. This yeah. this all took place Around the time when everything was just crazy, everybody was buying the toilet paper and whatnot. And um, I went to the to the courthouse the, the morning of the arraignment, I guess, or whatever you call it. But um, it it struck me as odd because the the inmates were on screen; they were on they were being filmed in a different building on Hammond Road, I believe. None of those young men were practicing social distancing. And mind you, my son's last name is Van Irvin. So I had to sit through all of them. And the women were practicing social distancing and the men were not. So I was at home thinking my son is, is in jail and they're not practicing social distancing. And on top of that, his nerves are shot to hell. It's just too much. It's too much to expect for someone to be able to, to carry when you're looking at your freedom. And in the United States, it's not um, an unrealistic expectation to think that you could go to jail for something you
1: didn't do. I mean, obviously, you've talked with him about it um, since then. What kind of emotions are still running through his mind now? I mean, it's you know over a year later at this point. Yeah. I
0: think it's I think that what struck me is how hurt he was because he said, "Mama, it'd be different if I did it, but I didn't do it." It he didn't have a good opinion of the judicial system going into this and now he doesn't trust it at all you know little kids see the the police car and they run in the house because you would think that they would think that this this guy's gonna serve and protect not 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 in the in the hoods that i'm familiar with little children see the police officers and they run you know something needs to be done and and if we don't do anything else what needs to happen is that all the cases pertaining to anybody who, re- who is involved in the situation of these black people being kidnapped off the streets and having their freedom stolen. All of those cases need to be looked at and re-examined for fraud because we don't know how many other people are still in jail right now. They just got caught this time around. We don't know how many time arounds it's been. We really don't. Sorry, I'm just taking some
1: notes. You do what you need to do. <laughs> easier for me to go back in the okay. later and find stuff. I get it. I totally get it. I do what you do. I get yeah. it. Um, have you talked to his kids? You said his son was there when he was arrested and his stepdaughter?
0: Marcus's children are young. They are they are um, impressionable right now. I th- Kaz just turned one. Tessa's four. I think Tessa's going on five. She's going to kindergarten. These children don't understand. All they know is that their daddy was gone. And it was just terrible going over there and, and feeling the sadness and and just knowing that Marcus, I didn't even realize that he was looking at seven years, seven and a half years for something that he did not do. So he's locked up thinking about that. He's got a family on the outside who are devastated to where I was coming from Durham to Raleigh to make sure that Mia, my, my, my almost um, daughter-in-law, um, was was okay because she was dealing with a lot. Dealing with too much. So you can't talk to to little children about grown people matter. They don't get it. All they know is their dad is gone. He was here one day and he was gone the next.
1: How long was he locked up?
0: I want to say Marcus was locked up at least 18 days. And the day that he got out of jail was the day his son took his first step. So he came that close to missing him. Yes a lot, it's a lot, and, and, and it's disheartening when I look at the amount of people who are involved, and I just don't see the activism, I just don't see the outrage, it, it, it's it's not right that it appears that if you're not on, like, major news stations, if it's not a national type thing, people are not going to be all up, you know, up and up and Arms upset that this is taking place and it's taking place in our own backyard. We had 15 black people literally get arrested without any evidence. If the evidence didn't get tested until towards the end, why were these people arrested in the first place? These people were snatched up off the streets and caged like animals during the height of COVID. And then all of a sudden everybody dropped the charges and no one said anything to say that our bad, we we didn't mean to arrest you, at least apologize, nothing, nothing. So that's where I'm coming from in my perspective. I'm looking at it to where we should be concerned about our people in jail right now. We should be concerned that there are a whole lot of people locked up because for some reason RPD thought it was a good idea to just go and arrest black people and, t- and, and charge them with selling drugs that they were not selling. And, and don't forget to add, the reason why I'm really frustrated is because aspirin is, is, a, is a nickname of the, of the CI. The friend of the RPD, they knew out the gate that this, this person sold drugs that were not drugs. And then everyone's all shocked, saying, well, we have no reason to believe that um, Officer Abdullah knew anything about this. Well, how how could he not know that he could do this when Officer Abdullah was one of the people involved with his initial arrest? And all the money that that CI is getting paid, it's, it's a lot to look at. It's a lot to unpack.
1: Yeah. Have you heard, like, other... Stories, rumors, whatever, about stuff like this happening before with CIs engaging in this same kind of scheme? I mean, is this something that gets talked about but doesn't really get attention, or is this a fairly rare thing? I, you know.
0: Well, honestly, I never even thought about it until it happened to my son. It never dawned on me that there could be people locked up in jail who shouldn't be locked up until it happened to my son. And then with me being as worried as I am about my son, I can only imagine about these other mamas who really believe that their sons and their daughters were innocent. And it, it's, it's sad that it took something like this to make me say, okay, guys, let's get a petition going. Let's check on our people.
1: But better late than never. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about the racial aspect of it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as you brought up before, you know, it's these over a dozen people, all of them black, accused of having these fake drugs. But at the same time, I, I believe the officer is black, too, right? Yes. Uh, Detective Abdullah. And obviously, Raleigh PD at the time, the chief, was a black woman. Yes. It's complicated, right? I mean, is it is, is the idea that the the system just, you know, they they kind of look at the system, and they say, okay, like, the system isn't going to care if we go after black folks? Or is it the idea that this confidential informant was just, targeting black people for whatever reason. I mean, I, I'm trying to kind of balance those things in my mind that, you know, you have, you know, the officer's black, the police chief is black, and then obviously the people, you know, I hear being you. victimized I hear you. are also black.
0: I, I, can't, I can't say for certain. All I can tell you is that the system is doing exactly what the system was built to do. The system is not broken. People keep saying they want to go in and they want to fix the system. It's kind of like when you think about when you build something – the way that you build something strong is that you build a nice sturdy foundation. And then upon that foundation, you 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 put things and everything is sturdy. The way that the whole police system was set up initially taints it first and foremost. Taints it considering police were initially made made to, to basically track down slaves who had who run away. So from that we build what we our current situation. In my opinion, we can change policy, we can do a lot of things, but the easiest way to fix the system is to tear it all the way down and rebuild it, because it's going to always be broken, because it was built on a premise that was heinous.
1: And, I mean, not to get too much into the policy and everything like that, but I mean, the the new building blocks that you'd like to see? I mean, is there a handful of things that you say, like, we absolutely have to have this, we absolutely can't have this?
0: Yeah, we do. Um, and mind you, this is a working list, because I have some um, some things that I would like to add. Apparently, RPD can arrest people without testing drugs. They can, they can charge people with selling drugs without testing to make sure it's drugs. So technically, they're arresting people without any evidence. And what we're asking is that um, we need to get those results back within 72 hours and that way we won't have a situation to where people are sitting in jail for 18 days. It could have just been 72 hours. And it could have just been like a requirement, like we hate that it's an inconvenience, but in 72 hours, we'll be able to tell you whether or not you can be free or not. Um, We want to um, require that all the officers preserve the results of the field test. What what happens when you can't find the field test? So we just believe what the officers say. If you have evidence, it needs to be tangible. Um, We want to require that RPD vice officers wear body cameras because currently they don't wear body cameras. So they can say anything. And and, and it's it's this person's word against an RPD police officer. Um, They're not required to watch the bio videos. How are you gonna arrest somebody without looking at the video of the buy? That it just makes no sense. It should go without saying. We're saying that we should a background check and credit checks needs to be done on all the vice officers, because they're handling a large amount of money, and this money is supposedly going to informants and and this and buys and things of that nature. How do we know that these police officers aren't pocketing this money? Where is the paper trail? Um, In Wake County, uh, D.A. Lauren Freeman can also make changes to prevent cases like this from happening. She could um, have her DAs review body cameras, the bi-cameras, and turn these videos over to the defense counsel at arraignment. Um, She could refuse to charge individuals without positive drug tests. Um, If she'd done this with Marcus, then none of this would happen to my son. If she if she done this basic stuff, this elementary. If you're gonna charge someone with selling drugs, you need to have some drugs. You need to have something to say concretely that this is what this person did. Otherwise, how is the system working? And why should myself as a as an African American woman, a black woman in America, why should I trust the system when clearly there's something going on in the system? to where it's okay for police officers to arrest over a dozen black people and think that they're gonna get away with it. And what's, what's to prevent me from thinking that since they thought they were gonna get away with it, it's probably because they've been getting away with it. We don't know how many people are locked up in Wake County over there on Hammond Road. We don't know how many people are locked up right now thinking, nah, no, I didn't do this. I
1: didn't do, this. and their life is over. Just over. I mean, what I'm hearing is just a lot of mistrust right now. I mean, you know, both the, you know, the specific examples you just made, you know, police officers, you know, not, you know, needing to wear body cameras right now, which you say they need to, to be able to prove their story. But also, like you said earlier, you know, little kids seeing the police cars and, you know, running away from them, being scared. I mean, beyond, the, you know, the specific things that you just mentioned right now, I mean, is there just broader changes the police can make to try to fix those relationships? I mean, that's obviously a big question that, you know, everyone's been talking about since all the big protests, you know, last year and even before then, but...
0: All I know is that if you are racist, you don't leave racism home when you go to work. And I think we have a lot of people in positions where they are supposed to be serving and protecting and they're bringing how they feel about a group of people be it black people mexican people any kind of people um, other than what they are you can't train someone there is no such thing as sensitivity training when it comes to racism something has to happen to that person to where it has to be life altering for them to say oh my gosh all black people aren't this or all um, chinese people aren't this i really do believe that we have a situation to where it's like a, it's like they're, they're a gang. The police officers are there. It's like you have the Bloods, the Crips, and the cops. And if these cops aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's catastrophic. And I'm not saying that all police officers are bad police officers. All it takes is one. And, it, and if other people are standing by letting this one get away with it, if they're literally saying, "Hey, guy, um, I know," hypothetically speaking, you should you're saying you you, you spent fifty dollars, but you should have spent this. So little um, red flags are up, making them realize. If you see all of this, and and you find all of this out during the FBI investigation that police officers were telling him, "Hey, this isn't right. This isn't right." Then how come no one stood up? Why did it take petitions and all kind of just outrage from from a from a handful of people? Me. And now all of a sudden, people are are trying to get on board. I, I really feel like when this first happened, the most disheartening thing was a lack of um, concern coming from the African-American community. I, I reached out to the, um, NAACP. I reached out to New Black Panther Party. I reached out to the Old Black Panther Party. I reached out to so many people, the so-called activists, photo-opting activists, and no one no one cared that 15 people have been arrested and were caged like animals and supposedly about to lose their freedom for a
1: minimum of seven and a half years—a minimum. Yep. And I mean, obviously, your son—I mean, he—he was—I don't want to say lucky, but he had—you know—he had his charges dropped. But I mean, it, in the. It, in the meantime, you said he was in, in jail for close to three weeks. I mean, did he lose his job? Did he... When Marcus you
2: know,
0: when Marcus got out of jail, Marcus had to start completely over.
2: Really?
0: Everything. And it was sad because as a mother, and you look at your child, and you know they're putting on their strong face, you wonder what they think when they're by themselves, when they, when they have their flashbacks and they have to remember... The, how, how how Kaz was crying or how Tessa was about to lose her mind or how, how his woman was. you. That kind of stuff doesn't just go away just because someone says, okay, you can go home now. That kind of stuff stays with you. And no amount of money made in any kind of settlement or any kind of case it will negate the fact that you cannot erase trauma. It will stay with you. It will stay with you.
1: To kind of parallel that, I mean, is he even able to erase the fact that he was charged? And maybe this is more of a lawyer question. I, I can answer know. that.
0: Okay. I, our family got him an attorney, and a part of the the, the fee was to get his record expunged, and um, his record has been expunged. Okay,
1: good. I'm glad to hear that. At least
0: to hear the attorney say it.
1: People without that kind of support system I mean not just the immediate but to get you out of jail but like you were saying then you know to go on and hire the lawyer and get involved and do all that I mean not everybody's got that kind of system
0: I feel like a lot most of the people who were involved during this time I talked to um, our attorney and he specifically told me that Marcus case was the last case I, I said well then Marcus needs to get you need to get him out you need to get him out and my attorney literally said that um since Marcus' case was the last case and that it was clear that Marcus shouldn't have been in jail, Marcus' case couldn't go first because if Marcus' case went first, it would throw out all the other cases. So they knew. They knew. They knew. And I wasn't supposed to have caught that.
1: That's got to be just infuriating. It really is. My mother is...
0: Taxpayer. <laughs> it, it really did, and I and I told um, Mr. Trump, I said, you you want to make this go away, you want to make this go away because I, I I have time on my hand. I will make it my business to make sure anyone who will listen will know, and that's what I went about doing. I started the petition with um, Change.org. Um, I contacted the DA, SBI, you name it. Internal affairs. I, I did a complaint with inter- internal affairs. They never contacted me about my complaint. And I really made as much noise as possible. And I was very happy to hear that s- a- attorneys had taken the case and that somebody was going to try to have these people's back. And that's when I reached out to the attorneys. So you
1: called internal affairs, you called the DA, obviously, you hired your own lawyer. I mean, and, and you, I think you said earlier that at no point along the way did anyone ever apologize Not for what happened?
0: Not a word.
1: Not a word. Really? Not a word. Not
0: a word. And I think that more than likely you can't apologize for something you're trying to get away with, because that's admitting guilt.
1: Yeah. So. And I, I assume, but I mean, has anyone apologized to Marcus himself that you know
0: of? No. no. They can't apologize to Marcus, because if they apologize to Marcus, they're admitting that they have something to apologize for you understand? So when this is all said and done, I'm pretty sure the DA will be like, we apologize on the news just for just to be on the news. But no one's sorry. They're sorry they got caught. And that's why they're sorry. They're sorry they got caught. They're sorry they're under a microscope. And they're sorry that they're going to have to stop whatever it is they're doing for a little while until everything settles down. Because one thing black people can do is is forget stuff and, and it'll just be over. Once it's over, everybody will fall back in their routine. Yeah. Worry about it happening again. I know it's gonna happen again. I have no reason to think that it's not gonna happen again.
1: Well, I guess that's why you're here, right?
0: I'm here because somebody needs to speak up for my people. And since no one's speaking up for my people, I'm gonna speak up for my people. Because it's ridiculous and disheartening. And you want to trust, you want to trust the process. You want to trust the system. But the system hasn't given black people any reason to trust it ever history sits on the witness stand to attest to the fact that the system is not built to protect people of color it isn't well
1: that is a sad note to end on but that's what it's what it is it's reality maybe change will come we'll see what what would a, a victory look like to you here? I mean, obviously you went through, you know, some of the things you want to see, you know, in, in five years, if you're looking back, you know, what's it going to take to say, you know what? That turned out well.
0: I can't even imagine a, a victory. Even even w- with these individuals being represented and, and potentially being compensated for any time and their troubles, some things you can't pay for. Some things you can't undo. Um, in terms of what a victory looks like to me, I just don't see one. I can't see one. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. People, 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 black people in particular, are given crumbs when they could have a whole cake, and we are so busy gravitating towards these crumbs when there's a whole cake. And until we recognize that there's a cake and that we can't eat it, then there is no victory
1: because we'll always be messing around with these crumbs. if that makes any sense. So you'd like to see people marching again and no. doing more now?
0: I'm not a fan of marching. I don't think marching has ever done anything for black people. I don't think sit-ins have done anything for black people. I don't think any of the things that people do, did traditionally during the civil rights movement movement, were all that beneficial to black people. Because if it was, why are we still dealing with the same stuff? This is the same stuff that we've always dealt with. We are, it's like we're trying to, trying to get to this destination, going down the wrong road. And every time we're going down the wrong road, we are thinking we're gonna get here, but we're doing the same thing. And the system, the way that the system is set up now, there's no unity. We have been divided to death. There, there is no unity, and I don't think there will ever be any unity for us to all stand up as a people and say no more because there's so many people happy with the crumbs. And, that's, and I don't mean to be negative, but that's just,
1: to me, reality. Yeah, well, uh, I guess the new strategy is take it to the courts. Take it to the court. See if see uh, if I can...
0: Take it one step at a time and maybe... Maybe um, D.A. Uh, Freeman will change help change some policies and maybe R.P.D. will change some policies and maybe this case will be the case that changes something here in Raleigh to where it's safer to be a black man walking the streets of Raleigh or in Wake County. So maybe that would be a good thing to come from it. Like this could be an eye opening experience to say, well, we, if they, if this is intentional, and they are arresting people, maybe this will say, "Wait, let us stop now because people are watching us now." People, we need to, we need to always be watching them, because when people are being watched, they tend to think about what they're doing because they don't want to take their medicine. You know what I mean? So I guess that would be a good outcome for police officers to be more careful with what they're doing for fear of something like this happening. And I hope they don't just get more clever. So that's my take on it.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Robin. You're I appreciate welcome. it. Thank you for the time.
0: I appreciate your time I, as I well. I know we
1: spoke for about half an hour here, so that's... That's good. <laughs> and it's a heavy conversation. It so is. I, I really appreciate you... Likewise. You know, taking the time to open up to... Anytime. ...a stranger like me about it.
0: Anytime. You
1: know, I, I hope that, uh, you know, your son does... is able to get back on his feet, you know, with his family and everything. Thank so you. I'm glad to you hear know, that you. he's taking the
2: first steps. To yes. So, yes. I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, man. So that was my interview with um, Will Duran of News and Observer. And since um, having that conversation, I have discovered that Wake County District Attorney Lauren Freeman has indicted the CI, the, CI, the guy who supposedly tricked the cop into arresting people with fake drugs. So she's indicting him. Um, and she's not indicting any other police officers um, listed in the SBI investigation. But um, that's where we are now. And and I say this, it's, it's just, it makes no sense at all. I mean, think about it. Think about it. I'm gonna make it sound real basic here. And that concludes my conversation with um, Will Duran of News and Observer. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening to it, but I'm really wondering, I'm really wondering, how is Wake County District Attorney Lauren Freeman going to say that Officer Omar Abdullah didn't have any um, reason to believe that the CI would deliver to him fake drugs when Officer Omar Abdullah years ago arrested this same ci for selling him fake drugs first and foremost and how is lauren freeman gonna say that the ci can be indicted but there's not enough evidence to suggest that the um officer knew so the officers all and it's more than one officer named in this in this um in this uh file none of them are being indicted and even if people decided they wanted to believe that a veteran decorated cop because the first thing they said when this first came out was an award winning cop basically got tricked i'm like first of all how do you how do you get to be an award winning cop and a veteran cop and be able to be tricked not one not two not three not four not five not six not seven not eight not nine not ten, not 11 not 12 not 13 not 14 but 15 times and what does that say for rpd and at the end of the day if you go to work and you have a team and you're the team lead and your team screws up who's in charge the lead the lead gets demoted So how come RPD isn't responsible for the actions of its paid confidential informants? None of this makes sense to me. It will never make sense to me.